Welcome to the Sober Podcast, part of the Soberverse, created by the team at the Sober Network. The Sober Network has engaged in revolutionizing the treatment industry by creating its own token economy. We offer fresh ideas to an industry that has relied on dated interventions. We are responsive to a new generation of substance users who are attached to their phones so we can impact massive social change. Our unmatched technology displays solutions of our various brands, demonstrating a thorough understanding of how we get things done. We are proving that technology, along with incentivized human accountability, provides measurable and positive outcomes. Visit us at SoberNetwork.com. Welcome to the Sober Podcast. This is your host, Jamie Brickhouse. Our sober celebrity guest today is Sonia Callen, the CEO and founder of Everbloom, which provides online small group recovery meetings with a recovery coach facilitator where each group is matched based on the characteristics of its members. And we're going to dig into what that's all about and how it came about. Um, which is an apt uh, um, thing to talk about since we our topic today is recovering from a breakup in recovery. Thank you for joining us on the Sober Podcast, Sonia. I'm excited to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Jamie. Great. Well, please just start off and tell our listeners a little bit about your uh, sobriety journey. Um. Yeah, I mean, so I was born... Um, pretty quickly go through the past, like in an Indian immigrant family in Canada. And there was a uh-huh. lot of drinking in that culture. And really? so, yeah. And a lot of like low functioning drinking, like people getting <laughs> into like fights and going to jail and like, uh-huh. you know, so I think I grew up thinking like, if I'm not doing that, I'm fine. And I probably started drinking around 15 and it was amazing. It was like, I was just this like little Indian kid in a predominantly white area. And so all my kind of anxiety and insecurities just went away. And I don't know if you feel this way, but like, it's like I could become a mimic when I was drunk. Like, Oh, I could yes, be- I know what you mean. And I kind of had that personality anyway, where I can, I figure out what, what the, what the, I, 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 I know my audience um, and then uh, adjust my behavior. Yeah. And it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of a dangerous thing to be able to do, right? Because you don't really know yourself that well and other people Mm -hmm. can't really get to know you that well. But yeah, no, so that was a big part of my personality. And so I would, I just drank, binge drank all through college. And so I was also really good though at 
functioning at a really high level. So if I had an exam, I wouldn't drink for a couple of weeks. And then I would binge drink like with consequences, not huge, like, oh, lost wallet, a couple of booze here Mm -hmm. and there. So yeah, I did that. Um, And then I didn't start drinking every day until I started working full time and I started a business. And that was like hard. That is when it got serious because it was like drinking. I was working like 12 to 14 hours, 16 hours, sometimes a day, and then drinking when I got home to pass out. And that was, yeah. yeah that, and it was like, oh, I work hard. I play hard. And, right. and it was kind of like normal. If you, you know, you're running a company, it was like, people are like sleeping on their office floors. Like there's a lot of like fetishizing of like, you know, working that hard. Working that hard time. and playing hard. Right. Yeah. And so no one really ever questioned like my drinking. I think that, as long as everything like looked good from the outside, which I'd been doing since I was 15, as long as my grades are good, I'm able to wake up in the morning and go to work. As long as the business is successful, then everyone's going to leave me alone. And when did you, um, when did that crash? When, uh, when you still own the business or, or after, cause I know you've sold the oh, business and then. Yeah. So in 2016, I got an offer to sell the business and mm-hmm. it was like, like the offer of a lifetime. So it wasn't even a consideration to not take it. But while we were going through that due diligence period, it was a long period. I thought, if this goes through and I'm not working that many hours, I it was like staring like down the barrel of a shotgun. I was like, when, when am I going to start drinking? Am I going to start drinking at like four, three <laughs> in the afternoon? Like what is, and also it's like, well, and if I don't have this professional business and, you know, persona am i going to start doing more drugs like am i and so i knew then that that there was like a lot of potential for this to go like really badly so yeah probably and it did and so i sold the business and it did go pretty badly for about 6 months and then and then i just quit cold turkey just stopped and that was it that was about 6 years ago yeah well, congratulations Thank and you. Um, are you, are you part of a 12 step program or, uh, any? No. So interestingly, oh, I love that. Cause I love when we have people on who aren't, who have alternative ways of, you know, of getting, yeah. I was super familiar with AA. My brother had been in AA. And so I had sort of the principles like in my head. So that was yeah. kind of nice, but really, I think one, I had been in school for so long and worked for so long. Like I didn't even, I had a list of things I wanted to do. And so mm-hmm. I did I just call it like doing all the things. Like I went to school for photography, for coding. I started writing. I took writing classes, wrote yeah. about my sobriety. And it really, I feel like that was my recovery. And then just sort of like assembling things like I'm going to exercise, I'm going to eat properly, which I had never really done. And I'm going to start journaling. And so, yeah, I was lucky that um, that I was able to figure some of that out on my own. But I also mm-hmm. like listened to a lot of Quitlet, so... A lot of what? Quitlet. Oh, yeah. Um, and actually, I, I do want to talk about how, because um, I, I I read in your biography uh, and what you just talked about, how you became a photographer uh, in sobriety and you um, uh, ended up doing this uh, exhibit called uh, Through Her Eyes. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was one, I, I had artistic uh, ambitions before, you know, before I, before I started drinking hard and then, you know, and during my active use and uh, of writing and performing and, and didn't, and kind of half-ass pursued them and then abandoned them altogether. And then it wasn't until I got sober that I started to, to write and perform again, which I do now. Um, how did, 
uh, the photography um, help you uh, in your recovery and, and in your and getting? Started? Yeah, I think that I was always a little bit aware that um, my husband was not. He was happy I was sober, but was not comfortable with me using the term sober or talking mm-hmm. about my addiction, which naturally came with some like mental health challenges. And so I feel like it was just like an outlet where I could do it. And it was like up for interpretation. So I could make things and I knew what they were about. And sometimes I would write a description, but it could also have been about somebody else. It wasn't necessarily about me. I could have been making those about my brother, about like my other host of family members that are alcoholics and addicts. And so, yeah, I think it, and, and it was like a really beautiful way, I think, to express myself that, that I I just felt comfortable. I felt like I can still hide Mm -hmm. this addiction while like, if I'm doing this and yet still like get out those emotions. Great. Wow. Um, so you, um, you speaking of your your husband and you, you so you had an, an eighteen year relationship um, uh, with him and you were blindsided when it when it ended. Um, oh, tell like us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we had sold the business and it was like for me, it was the most incredible thing. The best time of my life was after we sold it. I had didn't have to worry about like succeeding anymore. I don't have to worry about like financial success. And so, but not everyone's the same. Right. And so he really just like languished after the sale, like just could not find what he wanted to do. And so so you own own the business together. We did own the business together. Yeah. And so, um, you know, last year at some point he was really struggling with his life purpose. And we talked about it a lot and it was something like we were working on, like, what do you want to do? Like what would make you happy? And then one day, literally he said, I think I'm going to leave. And we had dinner the night before we walked our dogs. Like the issue I thought very specifically was about him and his like life purpose. And so yeah, it turns out it wasn't. Um, so I still don't really know. Actually, we barely ever spoke again. It was horrific. It was just horrific. Like it was like, I didn't even know like that type of pain like existed. Like it was Mm -hmm. physical. It was just, and also I think because there was no warning and there's still, there was very little reasons, but the reasons he did give on that morning were pretty vague ended up when I, when I like thought about them really reflected that he did not like this new sober version of me. Interesting. You know, without, without, I I was, I, when you were starting to tell the story and I was doing the math and I was like, I was like, I wonder if it had to do with your getting sober because it, it happened after you uh, sold the business and meanwhile, you sold the business and got sober and then started pursuing all these art- artistic endeavors. And you said he was languishing. And so, yeah. You- yeah. And I was like volunteering um, a lot and was like able, like I was volunteering with incarcerated. I still do. I'm formerly incarcerated. And it was like an amazing place to share my story. And I was so, I just got so much out of it. And, and so meanwhile, this other person is sort of not growing, not being of service, even though they have all the privilege and like means to be of service and just, just wasn't. Wow. Um, Well, this is a good time for a break. Uh, And when we come back, we're going to talk about how, what that led to. So 
this is um, a great time that we always like to stop and say thanks to our sponsor, Stephanie Weiss. She is a certified health and recovery coach based locally in Connecticut and offering virtual services nationwide. If you would like more information, please reach out to info at sobernetwork.com. That's I-N-F-O at S-O-B-E-R-N-E-T-W-O-R-K.com. So let's get back to Sonia. So um, out of this devastating breakup, something wonderful came, and I think it's called Everbloom. so yeah, talk about how that um, how you, how that evolved from your breakup. Yeah, so th- that morning that he left, um, I remember I like w- had to walk my dogs because he left me with the two dogs, and so we were walking on the Hudson in New York, and I thought like, what what am I like? Why am I sober? Like, what is the point? What am I doing? Like this this didn't obviously help the marriage. Like this guy doesn't even like me. Um, and I thought like, what, what, was, it wasn't like, I was like, oh, I want to drink. It was that, but it was also just, <laughs> what is the point? Like, what was the point of all this? And so right. I knew that I was in a dangerous spot. So I remember getting back to my apartment and I just logged on to a meeting that one of my friends had told me about. And so not a 12 step, but just, you know, it was majority women and like majority, like they were my within, within my age group. And so it was really comforting. And I did that every day at 8 a.m., for months, I logged into this meeting and the meeting though had over 200 people every day. Yeah. And I am pretty introverted and also like have a lot of respect for people in the first 90 days of sobriety. And I didn't feel like I didn't want to take up that space or time to like whine about my husband leaving. And so And also really what the main thing was, is I didn't want to like vent to a Zoom screen. I had no interest really in venting. I just, I wanted someone to tell me it was going to be okay. Like I wanted to tell them this is what's going on. I wanted them to understand that it was part of my sober journey and that either someone had been through something similar or not even similar, but any sort of life transition, any Mm -hmm. sort of large life transition, any sort of shocking life transition and just kind of say like, oh, I used these things or these are the tools I was using. This really helped. And, and it's just, it's one of those things I was really lucky. I have two really, really great sister-in-laws that I'm super close with. And just an example is I would, I told my sister-in-law, I'm like, every time I open my email and I see like an email from the lawyer, I feel like someone is stabbing me. And she's like, Uh yeah that's what it feels like. And I was like, this is what I need. I need that feedback. And so, and I was That's a good description. I don't, I haven't had that experience, but from what I've read and seen and and know of from other friends, that's an, a very good description of, of how that feels from what I've heard people talk about. And, and yeah, if you're, if you're kind of like, you know, venting or you're just kind of sitting by yourself thinking about it, you don't, you think you're nuts, right? Like you think like, how's an email, how does an email upset me for four days? And having people that have been through something similar is so, it's just so helpful. I feel like it, I don't know where I would be without that support. Great. So what can someone expect uh, when they join uh, Everbloom? So what we do is we have them fill out a pretty, um, not lengthy, but like a survey. And it really goes through like the possible things they could be struggling with. And when I started working on it, I started thinking like, what have I struggled with in my life? And so 
I struggled with self-confidence. I've struggled with job burnout. Um, I struggled with like other self-esteem issues. I've struggled with childhood trauma, those types of things. And so I thought this is a good place to start. And that's basically where we started. So when you sign up, you fill out a survey and then you're matched into a group that's going through pretty much the same things or have gone through the same things or at, at a different point in that journey. And so, you know, my favorite, not favorite group, but one group that's really incredible is like the first 90 days. So that's a group on itself because I feel like that is that is the problem. The first 90 days is the problem during the first 90 days. It's not like my self-esteem is low. It's like, I'm going to drink tomorrow or later tonight. And so, so that's a great group. And that that's fun because people are trying all these different things. And so they're able to give each other advice. And then the facilitator is really there to make sure it doesn't go off the rails and to kind of like guide it into the right direction, make sure people don't get off track. And then um, one thing I also needed that I never saw in a meeting was setting goals. And so at the end, we set some goals. And so if that's, you know, to, you know, eat something healthy four days in a row, because you're Mm -hmm. struggling, something like that's great. That's a goal. And so yeah, we set those intentions at the end of every meeting. Wow, that sounds, it sounds great. Because, um, you know, that's what I liked about uh, 12-step AA was, was you know, identifying with someone who's going through it, um, who's, who's, who's been through what you're going through. Um, but I like that this is, is, is very specific and you can find um, uh, the same group of people who yeah. are even, you know, are even that you can more closely identify with. and, and Yeah. And they're not like drop-in meetings. I feel like when it's a drop-in meeting, you never know really what to expect. Right. Like, and so these are it's much like more a, focused. Well, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, there's some consistency. I think that some people really need if they're going to open up and be vulnerable. What are some of the suggestions you would give to someone uh, in recovery in sobriety, struggling with ending a relationship? I mean, I, I was really surprised one. I think you, you have to learn to lean on people, which is something I never had done. I'd always been the one who was like doing great. And so I think you need a support system. I think you need people to talk to. I think staying, you know, in your house and like in your own head is like a very dangerous place for an addict to be. Right. And I think just you know, for me, I said yes to everything. If someone wanted to go for a walk, I was like, sure. Even though I've been like crying for two hours, but I think, and then I think I also leaned on, you know, I guess you call it like a sobriety toolkit. Like I, you know, maybe the first day I didn't feel like journaling, but by the second, third day, I was like, I'm in a journal a bit. And it was a really slow kind of progression back to, you know, the habits that I had before it happened. And so I didn't eat healthy the first few weeks, but then I started eating healthy because I started feeling really crappy and (laughs) I didn't sleep well for like, you know, 10 months. And then I realized like, you know what, it's time to just like meditate before you go to bed. And so, yeah, just these kind of, I think there are little tips and tricks that make it easier, but I think that, I mean, really I, the toughest, toughest days I had to call somebody, I had to talk to someone. Mm -hmm. Right. How long ago was the was your breakup? Um, about a year. 
Oh, wow. And you, you're, wow, you are amazing. That is proactive. And out of this, out of that, a year ago, you started this. This is, this is incredible. Very Thank cool. You. Are you at a point now um, where you're happy the breakup happened? Yeah, some days, some days for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a life that I never expected. And so some days I still cannot believe it happened. Like I will be looking out my kitchen window and I, I can't believe it happened. Um, but it's not as painful for sure. And I know that, you know, I'm a year in, I know that every day, every month I'm happier it happened. Great. Great. Well, that's a pretty good place to be. Last question. Uh, what is the best lesson you've learned uh, in recovery and sobriety and how did it help you? Oh, I just talked about this today. Never question the decision. Oh, I like Alan Carr quote. And that was, I think that helped too in the last year where it was like, I was questioning the decision. Like, why did I get sober? And so just never question it. When I made it, it was not renegotiable. It mm-hmm. wasn't something I was going to process again. It wasn't like we weren't going to litigate this issue. Like it was like, you have a problem, you're going to stop drinking. And so I think just like being true to that, that person that was like, mm-hmm. oh, I would do anything to be six years sober back then I would have done anything. And it's like, I have that now. And I feel like I cannot question that decision. That's fantastic. And that is, uh, and I'm, you know, and that's a version of the no matter what club, which I used to hear. Um, and, you know, I'm a member of the no matter what club, no matter, uh, you know, whether my life turns to gold or my ass falls off. And I used to roll my eyes at that, but it wasn't, um, unlike you, it took me a few tries to, to get sober, but, but then I, I was like, oh, I'll finally, I'll try that. Um, and, and it's so much easier if you just if it's if you say don't question the decision it's non-negotiable uh the deal is i'm not going to drink no matter what happens and like no matter what that's a good one i'm going to keep it easier right <laughs> it's and i think it's one of the hardest parts about the decision to get sober is saying i'm never going to drink again right I, mean, right I understand that there's other pathways like you know sober curious and like harm reduction but for me, those weren't an option. Um, and so that almost makes it easier. Yeah, it does. It does. Well, listen, thank you so much, Sonia. And uh, thank you for your continued support. Um, our listeners out there, visit us on www.soberpodcast.com and all places that you find major podcasts to leave us a review, uh, sign up for our mailing list. Um, you will also find contact information in the show notes. For our guest, Sonia, I am your host, Jamie Brickhouse. You can find me on TikTok, where I tell a true story, wearing high heels every day, Jamie underscore Brickhouse. Signing out from the Sober Podcast. Tune in for another show next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Sober Podcast. We hope that you have found this episode helpful and look forward to you joining us next time. As we continue to grow and implement positive change, we hope that you'll share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. They can find us on all the major podcast directories. If you have an idea for the show, want to leave positive feedback, ideas, or comments, connect with us on thesoberpodcast.com. You can also reach us on our social media platform on The Soberverse. 
We'd love to hear from you. A special thanks to all those who make this show happen. Jamie Brickhouse, our host, Carrie, our producer, Carl Fessenden, our voice, and our sponsor, The Sober Network. 